This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. If you're a business owner or executive level leader looking to advance God's kingdom at work, sign up for one of their 2019 workshops at www.kingdomatwork.com slash events. Kingdomatwork.com slash events. Hey, welcome to I Work Room this afternoon as we broadcast you right here out of Tampa on AM 570, FM 102.1 in Lakeland, and of course, AM 910. But in Jacksonville, also on 91.7, The Truth, also 91.9 in St. Augustine, 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia, and of course... We are all across the world on iHeartRadio every day at 3 o'clock Eastern and on podcast platforms, every podcast platform you can reach. That's where we're on all those, aren't we, Martha? Yes, we are. <laughs> That's right. Martha's playing with her phone. She wasn't ready to go. Okay. <laughs> all right. But it's, I think it's really important. Everybody understand this. Right, let's just, just take step back for a second on this Monday, beautiful Monday. Just remember, your workplace It's your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers, our employees may ever meet. The job that you hold, the work that you do, none of that is by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus. And you may be their only chance. It's so important that we understand the power of our calling in the workplace. And it's so important that you recognize your workplace is your mission field. It's your place of ministry each and every day. You know, and we're so excited to be here in the studio today, Jim, and sharing with our listeners kind of a different angle and um, getting that opportunity to expose them to some great winter reading material. That's right. Many of you don't take time to read fiction books. In fact, many of you don't take time to read anything. Even your Bible. Throw down. Today, I wanted to remind you and encourage you that reading is the most powerful form of entertainment known to humankind. It involves all of our senses, and it can feed our souls. A little over 40 years ago, when my brother went off to college, I discovered Christian fiction. My first series... Of course, the Chronicles of Narnia. What I learned then is still true today. A great Christian fiction book can teach you things in a way that most educational nonfiction books just can't. Why? Because of the emotion, because of the story that's tied to the learning. I don't know why today, but when I connect a story with a lesson, it sticks better. I just learned that way. That's why we have Cynthia Rookty with us on the air today. She's a prolific writer. She's been on the show today. In her fiction, some of the best I've ever read. And that's saying something, because I read a lot of books, and I read a lot of fiction. I sat down to read her latest story, Miles from Where We Started, last Sunday. And five hours later, and 340 pages later, my heart, my mind, my soul, and my marriage have been impacted. Where can you get that on TV? Cynthia Rookty, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hey, Cynthia, welcome back to I Work For Him. All right, she must be having a hard time hearing, but Martha, you've been reading this book as well. And you just tell us how you met Cynthia Rookty while Jose's getting her connected back up again. Oh, my goodness. So for um, about a decade, I was in Christian retail, and I had the privilege of going to different um, conferences that had to do with, um, you know, running a bookstore and connecting with authors and promoting their books and everything. And so there is where I had the privilege of meeting Cynthia and getting exposed to her writing. And she was actually just starting in it about that same time, which is absolutely amazing. God has used the messages on her heart um, for the good of the kingdom. Cynthia Rookty, welcome back to I Work For Him. 
Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Uh, we're so glad to have you. We just love it. Hey, just talk to us, though, from up there in the Badger State, of the, where the head of Cheesehead land. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you getting any snow today? Not today. It's been around a little bit north of us. They had some yesterday, but uh, the, the snow these days kind of comes and stays for an hour or two and then melts away and leaves us with just gray, cold, soggy. Foggy. Well, here's hoping that you get lots of snow this winter. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) And so that you can enjoy when you come down to visit us once again in Florida. That's where I was getting at with that. That's right. So That's that's a good connection. But I can encourage people to follow you on Facebook because they will see little glimpses of Wisconsin all throughout the winter, I am sure. So true. We love to take those pictures where the snow is up over the wind windowsills. And the icicles are reaching to the ground. Correct. And yes, all of the above. Oh, we love winter, mm. winter, winter. Especially we get to enjoy it vicariously through you. That's right. <laughs> all right, Cynthia, we're closing out the year. We got less than two months left. I would love to know before we start talking about your latest book, which by the way, I loved, loved, loved this book, Miles from Where We Started. I want to know how have you seen God work miraculously in your life? this last year? Oh, there are so many ways. I think uh, among them are are obviously the things that we we know they are interventions of God in in our um, in our lives when uh, my husband had another fall just recently and instead of it being very serious it was three broken ribs which is serious enough mm. but it happened on it happened 6 years to the day that he fell out of his hunting stand and broke his back and his femur. So now every October 15th, he's going to be staying home in bubble wrap, and (laughs) that'll be good for the rest of his life. So sometimes it's the things where we know it's a miracle, but we don't know all the details behind it. But there have been ways that he has opened wide some big doors for me in uh, working with as a literary agent now also in helping other people get their books to the market, get their books on bookstore shelves. And and every once in a while there's a project that is just heavy on my heart and then God opens wide a door for that person's book to find a home. So the last time we had you on the show, we um, were talking about your book, As My Parents Age, which was absolutely phenomenal. And we want to encourage our listeners um, to check out Cynthia online and um, learn about all of the books that you've written because they come from so many different angles. You you are just a wealth of information and you um, delivered in such a great way for everyone to read. Your latest book is one that deals with topics that don't often get talked about in conversations of Christ followers. How did you come to decide to write Miles from Where We Started? Much of what I write uh, is based in something that has happened to me in real life, and then some of it comes just from imagination or primarily from observation and noticing. And I was noticing around me that there were some wonderful millennials who were just heading into the early years of their marriage, and part of what uh, my experience has been is that now I'm, I'm, we've celebrated now 46 years mm-hmm. married together. We, Way to go. Woo-hoo! We were grade school sweethearts, and it worked out. So, But throughout that course of time, of course, there have been many things that we have weathered. There, there have been disagreements, everything like that. And I looked at those millennial couples and thought, what tools do they have? to be able to navigate the early years of marriage and what are the natural 
um, forces that they will come up against in just the way the world is operating today. And, and, and the concept that if it's hard, it must be avoided at all costs. If it, if it isn't making me comfortable, let's just drop this be, off of my plate because that's, that can't be right, can it? So I, that started the imagination going in this idea of where do we, where do we find the, the resources that will help us to walk through even the tough parts of marriage. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it comes directly from God's Word. Sometimes it comes from good counselors. Sometimes it's when people have had that modeled before them in their own parents. Many times it comes from watching other people fail and try, and then doing the opposite of what that is. And oftentimes there are those wisdom people in our lives who speak maybe a word or an afternoon's worth of thoughts or a line or hand us a book that helps to form those foundational thoughts for us, or a perhaps radio broadcast or podcast. That's right, that's right. Well, and that's one of the reasons why people are going, well, Jim, okay, but the fiction book, what does it have to do with I Work For Him? Here's why I thought this was a perfect fit for I Work For Him, because you write a book about real life, about people, what their experiences look like outside of work, and in fact, how their work impacts their marriage, Mm -hmm. and we need to be aware of those things, so we go into our workplace, we don't just forget that people have real lives outside of work, but that they have real trouble and real struggles at home, and they bring them with them every day to work, how do we help them through it? And that's really what your book does. It gives a great picture of what does it look like to bring healing to a marriage and to life. Thank you, thank you. You left off with an interesting concept that I'd like to revisit if you're... Please, go ahead. So we were talking about the idea of how work and our work situations affect our marriages and vice versa, that we go to work with our marriage woes on our back and we come home from work to our marriages with our work woes mm-hmm. carried in a, in a bundle under our arm or, or weighing heavily on our heart and how much that does affect us. And my chosen way of talking about those sorts of things in this particular context with this within this book was because story is such a great vehicle. We used in in the book, Miles from Where We Started, we used a vehicle that we can talk about a little bit because it's it um, happens early enough in the story, but mm-hmm. it, we used as a vehicle a micro-camper that this couple was going to have to be crammed into for a 3,000-mile, three-week trip. But story is really the kind of vehicle that can bring these truths home to the heart in some very powerful ways, I think. So I didn't set about to do a teaching book, um, but so oftentimes as it happens, when God writes that story, there will be those beautiful life lessons tucked inside the pages. We'll be carried along by that vehicle of story, but then we'll emerge from that experience, that reading experience, having learned things like what happens when the demands of our job interfere with our relationships or what happens then, conversely, when we respect each other's jobs and we work around them in ways that are to the benefit of each of the partners in the marriage. So let me just ask this question, because there's people listening today that are going, you know what? I got a lot of stories on my heart, and, and, and I, I frankly am a fiction lover because I have learned 
more things from fiction or parables that I can reproduce those thoughts to other people better than I can from a textbook. And there are a lot of people listening going, well, I don't, I have a lot of stories in my heart and I love telling stories and love writing stories. How did you get started in writing? And is there still room for more Christian fiction authors out there in the world? Well, there is great double question that each one of them takes a half hour to answer, but I'll try to trim, trim them down. Trim those down about 47 seconds. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll do that. Uh, first of all, I, I got started actually working in a chemistry lab, and then it was, I really can blame no one except God for the idea that there was an opportunity for me to write a scripted radio broadcast that I was a part of for. 33 years. Mm. That was called The Heartbeat of the Home, and it was really examining how our everyday life experiences are all addressed in the Word of God somehow. Every one we could have, it's either indirectly or indirectly, God spoke to it somehow in the Word of God. And that was the whole premise that took us through, and a premise of hope that took us through those 33 years of broadcasting. And toward the time when we knew that that broadcast was going to need to retire, I had started to wonder if I could write something longer, fiction or uh, or nonfiction, in a whole book form, and began to do the study that even after three decades of writing for radio, I needed to study the principles of how to get a book written and get a book published. And that that was part of that. And yes, there's still room for more authors. Uh, the the market is tight, and a lot of people say that that market is tight right now. But what we do know is that fiction readers are are avid readers who their appetites are never satisfied. So there are always there's always room for more story. That is true. If you are a listener out there and you've got a huge Christian fiction library that you're just looking to get out of your house because it's bothering you, please send it. To I work for him. I would love to read those books. It just because I love, love, love to read Christian fiction. Just in okay. case people haven't picked up on it, you yeah, love. I really fiction. do, and I love Cynthia Rookie's new book, Miles from Where We Started. So, Cynthia, in your new book, we find ourselves deep into this new marriage between Connor and Mallory that is really on the rocks before they even hit their one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose a marriage that's in this state of the game? I. I think that there are an awful lot of uh, novels that are written these days that explore the idea of the romance end of things before the first kiss or before the wedding day or uh, uh, other seasons, but rarely do we talk about the season of how do you get through that first year that will have challenges with it, even though, as I said, Bill and I had been uh, grade school sweethearts. So we had known each other for years before either one of us was old enough to get married. Mm-hmm. We still found that first year was full of the evidence of our immaturity and our not yet understanding what it takes to make a marriage work. And that's part of the premise of the book, too. It is work. It's the love can only take us so far, that kind of ethereal butterflies in the stomach. Uh, uh, he has the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen sort of <laughs> romance. 
Thank part, goodness romantic. you don't write books like that, because I would have just been vomiting all over the place. <laughs> and and I intentionally have chosen to let other people write those books, and I want to write the, the nitty-gritty books about what's it like in the day-to-day, what's it like in the ordinary crises and in the extraordinary crises that a family could face. And what if you combine, uh, with, in this case, a, a millennial couple who has grown up in an era where things maybe have been, uh, we've been conditioned to avoid the difficult. Yeah. We've been conditioned, all of us, no matter what our age is, for years and decades now, we've been conditioned to try to do things uh, faster and easier and if, and more convenient and avoid the things that take a long time or that take a big investment of time and just get it done microwave style, even relationships. And you can't do marriage in microwave style. So that was part of why I was led to choose this particular time frame and explore that a little. And another element of it was I knew that Millennials are getting a bad rap yeah. because the millennials I know are wonderful people. And most of the things that they struggle with that we might find uncomfortable, we have a, mm, a few more years on us, would find uncomfortable are because we did that to them. We, <laughs> we set them up for mm-hmm. this kind of, of attitudes or approaches to life. So I wanted to dig deeper and find what's so wonderful about them, and and what was uncovered was so encouraging to my heart and gave me great hope for the future, too. Okay. So we got this young couple, Connor and Mallory, and they've got challenges. And and the first of the challenges, I just want to like first, right from the beginning, you make it clear that their work has gotten in the way. Mm -hmm. It's That's pretty common. That, that's oh, a common. That's a common theme. It was was that ever common in your own marriage? Where work got in the way of your marriage? You mean besides today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Besides today. Yeah. And maybe yesterday. And yesterday, <laughs> and last year, and two years ago. It's it's so common. It's so natural. And the the question isn't is that a reason to give up? The question is so how are we going to work around this? Right. Because it is natural. So sometimes it will be that one, that the demands of one person's job will be inconvenient to the other person in the marriage. Mm -hmm. Or it may be that our attention gets focused heavily on the work that we're called to do and, and we um, not inadvertently neglect the other person's need because of the demands of time or our schedules or, or uh, whatever it is around us, that it might be a, a work crisis. We, uh, everybody talks about a, a work-play balance. Few people talk about a work-marriage balance, but there is no such thing as balance because marriage is 100%, 100% all the time. And it isn't that we have our work, we leave our work, we go home, and now I'm all in. We're all in all the time. But even though we have to focus our attention on the job at hand, we're never unconscious of the needs of the people that we care about most. When, if we let that happen, then mm-hmm. then we're in trouble. That's so true. Yeah, Cynthia, in, the, in this book, your latest book, Miles from Where We Started, Cynthia Rook, do you take this husband and wife who are in a little bit of trouble and they get an interesting job assignment. Tell us what that is. Well, the husband works for an ad agency and a company that is their key client 
has has offered them this campaign, this advertising campaign, to prove how wonderful it is <laughs> to go hit the road. Just add humans, as the hashtag mm-hmm. says. Just add humans and, and hit the road and hit the back roads of America. But they're to do it in this newest, latest updated version of their micro camper, which is about the size of a washing machine. And then circumstances caused them to have to bring a, an 11-year-old foster boy with plenty of baggage of his own with them on this journey. So you can imagine that they are starting off with just about everything working against them in this journey. But over the course of time, it's uh, the unfolding of that story is what we would hope would help the miles tick by quickly for readers in, in the mm-hmm. book. What, what I love is that you did, and, and I love the micro camper idea. So they, they got a Subaru Outback, I believe is what it is, and they're pulling, they're pulling this micro camper. And it, it's kind of funny. So you throw in the adversity. We always talk about on I Work For Him that, that adversity is what God uses in our lives to take us from who we are to who he can use more effectively. Mm-hmm. In your story, he used a micro camper. <laughs> right. right. So, and a few dozen other things. It was it was kind of fun because Bill and I, my husband and I, had an opportunity to visit a factory that that manufactures micro campers. It's not very far from our home. So we got to see it from the inside out and why they do what they do and uh, how efficient they are. And that's wonderful. But then then came the comes the crisis of well, how do you even get into it? How does one person actually make their way into one of these things so that the primary way is to sit down first and swing your legs in and then you're in. How does one person do it? Right. But did you and Bill try to get in this micro camper together? No, the the model that was on the floor was one that where you could look but not touch. So we uh, we but we imagined it, and uh, that was part of the one of the chapters was even that initial that initial crisis of how is this ever going to work. But that's also a parallel to the couple and what they were going through, and even the foster boy, in how is this ever going to work for any of them on any level. Well, yeah, and you threw in a foster kid who had quite a bit of baggage, mm-hmm. uh, and you threw a foster kid into a road trip in a micro camper and a Subaru wagon with people who've never had children. That, right. was, that was an interesting twist. Well, what did you want our listeners to learn from uh, from the from the story of the fo- the the foster child? I think part of it was that they, they, both of the main characters, Mallory and Connor, needed to, in my imagination anyway, they needed to focus on something other than their own hurts, for one thing. Mm-hmm. And that often is a way that we become more mature in our approach to our own troubles, is to be able to consider the needs of another person. But then, in addition to that, it was when they saw immaturity in this younger boy, they could see it reflected in their own reactions to the crises they were going through as well. And that was kind of a lesson to them that they didn't want to be 11 years old in their thinking and, and a traumatized 11-year-old in their thinking. They, they needed to be adults in this, in this realm, but that adulting doesn't, isn't necessarily a bad word. And that adulting can be a good word. I think well, what first of all, is, adulting was wasn't a word 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, I remember the first time our millennial came out. Well, that's just this adulting thing. I'm like, really? Where did that word come from? 
<laughs> Cynthia, what, what I want to you're, you're writing a fiction story, yet you've tied in some pretty strong elements for people to, t- to take away. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had interactions with the foster care system to understand the plight of this 11-year-old Judah, who you put in the story? We have, there are two, one, um, two particular aspects. One is that I, I intentionally modeled Judah off of a young man in our church who is this wonderfully talented, uh, great kid. He serves on our worship team. He has more talent in his, at the time he was, I think, 12, and now he's 13. Um, more talent in him than than six or eight other people, and he uses it for the kingdom's sake, which is a wonderful thing to watch. They're a great family. That family happens to have seven children in their family. And and this young man is not a troublemaker, but he has the makings of it. <laughs> if allowed to, he's got this little glint in his eye. So that was part of where Judah came from. But then all of the aches and pains that, that this child had and the circumstances he'd been through, I modeled after uh, our home church has always been very supportive of adoption and fostering. We see couples all the time among us who are either doing domestic adoptions or overseas adoption situations, our extended family as well, meeting local foster family needs. It's talked about a lot. Each one of those situations has been a step of faith for those couples who have taken on foster children or gotten into the adoption process. Each one has demonstrated not just the love of Jesus, but the pursuit of his heart for orphans and the abandoned and the homeless and neglected. So watching them has been such an inspiration in in the idea that we have something to offer even all if all we have to offer is love, because that's the most important need. And we have something to offer our listeners that they can call into our listener line at 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. Call in with your name, your phone number, and a your mailing address, and someone is going to win a copy of this book we're talking about today, Jim. Miles from where we started. Cynthia Rookty's latest fiction book. And and here's, ladies and gentlemen, why on iWork, we're talking about a Christian fiction book today, about a couple that's struggling, about a couple that's struggling that gets sent on a three-week business road trip in a micro-camper behind a Subaru Legacy Outback with an 11-year-old foster child. Why? Because those are real stories. Yeah. That's real life. That's That's what the people we work alongside each and every day, those people are dealing with real struggles. How do we change our, modify our mindset to understand and recognize that the people around us are hurting? They don't know the answers that you and I know. They don't know that Jesus is the solution to the problems that they have. That's why we're talking about this today. That's right. And Jim, you know, a lot of people think, oh, going into this time of year, I don't have time to read a book. But I started several years ago. Um, actually, Cynthia, I think it was because of your Christmas book a couple oh. years ago that I said, you know what, I'm going to make sure I take time to read a book that helps me to reflect and um, have some enjoyment even in the hurried Christmas and Thanksgiving time. So I want to encourage our listeners that um, don't uh, discount the fact that there is a there is an opportunity during this time of year to sit down and to enjoy some fiction and in that process 
see what God has to open your heart and your mind to. It was an amazing Sunday afternoon and evening for me. Five hours, great story. Cynthia Rookty, so here's the deal. You write this book, but in and amongst it, you grabbed a little Americana, which I thought was just fantastic. You went the old Route 66 without using Route 66 or Route 66, for those of you that are from the South. Route or Route. Okay, so you sent them off on this, this couple, these couples off on an adventure that didn't go on the freeways. And Martha and I get that, because we'd go a lot of these side roads when we go across the country. Why did you decide to send Connor and Mallory and Judah, their 11-year-old foster child, and their little microcamper on the side roads? Part of it was because I, I've seen that myself, just as you have, that often it's those less traveled parts that show a, a beauty that we don't get to see if we take the quickest route. Part of it was, again, another parallel, that the quickest route to solutions in marriage or in our work situations is not necessarily that direct route, and the quickest route sometimes doesn't bring about the long-lasting impact on us. Sometimes we have to go a little bit off what traditional traditional wisdom would say, and then we're going to find these beautiful pockets of unexpected beauty, or in the detour is where we find our answers. So that was part of the reason. The other was because I didn't want them to ever be able to anticipate the mm-hmm. next step. What would have been the logical next step for their path to take? Because so often that's not what happens in real life. We get our life plan all worked out. We think this is what's going to happen next, and then we'll have two children, and then we will do this, and then this will happen. And and Or in our work situations, too, where we make our plans for uh, the next career move. And it life doesn't necessarily turn out that way. One of the key things in the book is that Mallory and Connor had to learn to trust the direction they were given, even though they didn't even have the whole day's details of where they were supposed to be headed. Yeah, they lived Psalm 119, 105, that's for sure. They sure do, did. So one of the things I want to encourage our listeners, as you're listening to Cynthia talk about her new book, Miles from Where We Started, and remember, you can call in and get a copy. Someone's going to win, 866-713-9675. You listen to Cynthia talk and you hear how she correlates things and brings them together. Jim, we started underlining the book. There are so many analogies and so many um, directions where you're talking about a detour in the road and then you're talking about a detour in the marriage and a detour in our work. And that is the beauty of Cynthia's writing style. Yeah, it's it's powerful. And talking today with Cynthia Rookty. She's written... A fantastic Christian book, Miles from Where We Started. But when you go out and check her out online, CynthiaRookty.com, you'll notice that she wrote a book last year called As My Parents Age. And for any of you out there listening who have aging parents, it is an absolute must read. That one is just full of stories, but they're real. And it was a powerful, powerful book that I, that Martha and I have now given to all of our siblings. They had to read this book. It was a powerful book. So Cynthia you know, doesn't. It's kind of good to do like a little bundle for people to to go and buy that and maybe miles from where we started to give as gifts together. You know, for somebody because kind of in that sandwich, you're dealing with the parents and you're dealing with the millennials. Who all are in newlyweds? This thing. Yeah. That's right. Cynthia Rookie, welcome back to I Work for Him. Thank you. All right. So my favorite part of the story. So you you take 
Connor and Mallory, you sent them off on this three-week road trip on the highways and byways of America, but not the freeways. Mm-hmm. And you send them on the crooked roads, and you send them through those really small towns that have been forgotten by America because the freeways bypass the town. And you have them interact with some incredible people. But before we go today, I really want to make sure we talk about their interaction. As they head off to another location, you send them to a beautiful waterfall. They meet a 90-year-old named Slade. Tell that story a little bit, would you? Well, he he appears in one of these uh, parks that they've stopped, where they've stopped. And yes, each one of those locations is a real location. So uh, technically speaking, a reader could go visit some of those same sites, and hopefully they would get the experience of what, oh. what the characters in the story were able to experience in those places, the, the wonder and the, the life lessons and the mist of the waterfalls on their faces. And, and then at one of those spots, there was a 90-year-old man named Slade who was kind of a – he had appointed himself caretaker of this <laughs> park – and showed up every day to work. Work meant something to him because he was fulfilled in what he did, and he he believed that he was called to to be part of uh, maintaining that park in its excellence and its uh, ability to to touch people and reach people. They wound up having to be at his home, his little cabin in the country, overnight, and um, and. But the purpose of all of that was for Connor and Mallory to see this man Slade who had been a widower for too long, and life had not turned out as expected. He was alone, and he hadn't wanted to be alone at that stage of his life. But he was also fulfilled, and he celebrated the fact that he had had a refreshing, enduring, but imperfect marriage. And he had found a way to not let love fade over time, even after his wife was gone. So in in their experience together, he offered so much wisdom. He was in some ways like a great sage of old, but the way he would share his wisdom was so gentle that it landed lightly on the hearts of Connor and Mallory, and they were able to take all that in. And uh, Mallory especially, I think, was impacted by Slade. Oh, I... I would say I was impacted by Slade. I loved the imagery. I'm just gonna this this is spoiler alert. Just but it's not gonna spoil the end of the story. But no, it just it, it right, just it's a good one. It, the, these two things. The two he teaches Mallory two things. Well, do you want to tell him what he? Ta- I mean, there's two things that stick out in my mind that he taught her. Do you know what those two things are? Well, he had he had come to this. He had invited Mallory to come with him when he in his tradition, went out in his canoe in the middle of the lake right outside of his cabin and waited for the dawn. So he he took her with him at a time when she was really wrestling with, with her place in this in the story mm-hmm. and and their relationship and he she was unaccustomed to the idea of waiting for dawn and then he said it's not something you see it's something you feel and as they sat in the canoe side by side in the dark in the quiet and waited for the dawn to come he also taught her that and this is a quote from uh, from another book that the quickest way to reach the sun is to head east and plunge into the darkness until you reach the sunrise. Instead of running away from the pain or away from what your trouble was, to just keep heading toward the sun. And for us who know that Jesus Christ is the answer, that sun can be spelled two different ways. Mm -hmm. 
But in, there are a couple of other things, too, I think. One of them was that whole concept of waiting when all you see is a faint hint of light. Keep waiting, because it will come. It has been happening since the beginning of time. And then the other was that sometimes we have to sit in silence until the glory appears. We try to work hard at it. We try to manufacture an answer. We try to calculate and figure out. But oftentimes it is in in the silence when we're sitting and realizing that the glory is going to come from the appearance of God on the scene rather than from our manufacturing it in our timetable. So once again, um, we're talking with Cynthia Rukti, and this is her newest book, Miles from Where We Started. And if you love her reading, if you read this book and you say, this style is just, it speaks to me. Cynthia has written many other books, fiction and nonfiction. And of course, we are huge fans and so thankful that we get to share this with our listeners and um, you know get them exposed to the idea that fiction can teach us so much, but in a way that our heart is open and we're willing to receive it, don't you think, Jim? Oh, what well, I think this would be a great book to give one of your friends who loves fiction, who isn't necessarily a Jesus follower just yet, to introduce them to the idea of how really God can get involved in the middle of their adversity to bring out the mm. best in them. I, That's I just, a great idea. I, this, it's just like a secret weapon. I just I think Christian fiction is a secret weapon. Well, I used to sell so much of it in the retail environment I was in for that very reason, because I and saw... And I had to test drive it for you. You did, you know. Somebody has to read it all. But um, I saw so many people who their lives were touched because they were open to listening to the message. Right, Jim? That is right. Cynthia, you wrote this book, Miles From Where We Started, and it is a powerful story that, in- that incorporates so many things. Work getting in the way of marriage, married couples struggling in that first year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, medical conditions uh, that could be uh, causing an issue, adversity, foster care system, child abuse and neglect. You, probably, you included so many things in here. What is the biggest takeaway you wish for our listeners, for the people that get to read your book, the privilege of reading Miles from Where We Started? What's the biggest thing from your heart were you hoping for them to take away? One major point is that our we can't let, allow our fears to dictate our relationships, what our relationships are going to look like, whether that's insecurities that we have or fears about uh, the workplace or or fears about how things turned out for our own parents or the people around us. Mm. And then primarily that marriage truly isn't about eliminating discomfort from our mm. lives. It's about commitment. And if we're solid on that, that marriage is about commitment, that can carry a couple through any number of challenges and will. Mm, that's powerful. I, I love that. And as you've had with Bill, 46 years of marriage, Martha and I've had 32 years of marriage. It, you know, We've seen the good of it, and it gets better and better as the years go, but it doesn't go grow trouble-free even in the later years of marriage, does it? Oh, that's that's certainly true. That's the subject of another book. <laughs> <laughs> Are, is that a teaser? No, that's one that uh, Song of Silence dealt with that very issue that so many times we think about after you've been married for two or three or four decades should be simple then, huh? But there are new challenges that appear then, and they if we ignore them and don't address them, or if we address them but address them from a place of pain rather than a place of looking for God's answers, then again, it's it could be a rocky answer instead of the kind of uh, result and the kind of redemption that God wants to show. 
I I love the you know one of the story you got so much good stuff in here. I I don't even know where to start. I can't even ask that question. We're running out of time. I, I want to hear from your heart, Cynthia, as you look at the future of our country and as you look at the things that you write about. Give us a teaser on what's next. What the Lord has laid on your heart for the next Cynthia Rookie project. I am currently writing a book that is about the concept of a woman who helps hoarders with their hoarding disorder. And the problem is that she realizes during the course of the story that she's hoarding emotions with just as much ferocity as the people she's helping are hoarding old McDonald's wrappers wrappers and things that have no use or value to their life and, in fact, are getting in the way and tripping them up. Mm. I can't wait to read that one. Not that anybody listening has any emotional baggage. That, no, no. That's for <laughs> other Cynthia, audiences. <laughs> that's right. Cynthia Rookie, thank you so much for sharing your story miles from where we started. Thanks for sharing that with the I Work For Him audience today. It is such a privilege. It's always great to talk to you. We love you, and we love your work. Keep it up. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. All right, make sure you check out Cynthia online, CynthiaRookie.com, CynthiaRookie.com. Get a copy of her latest book, Miles From Where We Started. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.